I hope you can hear me. Yes, Jesse is waving, so we're, we're doing all right. Um, my name is Sarah and my husband, Shin, and my daughter, Jordan, and I have been attending KB for the past year and a half. So you may recognize Shin from his Art and Sermon Combo Preach earlier this year, and my daughter from the bright yellow slide, she happily scoots down while attending Zoom Church. Um, last week, Morag preached on the first half of John 21. It's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee that Peter is first called to follow Jesus. And it's on those shores that Jesus repeats that old scene with Peter, where he tells Peter to throw his net on the other side of the boat, to catch an enormous amount of fish, just like when Jesus first called Peter to follow him. And Peter's call as a disciple is reaffirmed. Morag shared that just as Jesus invites, invited Peter to breakfast, Jesus invites us also to have breakfast with him, to meet us with kindness in our confusion as we try the best we can with old marching orders. This week's sermon continues the visual and theme of that scene at the beach. After the heart-wrenching crucifixion of Jesus and the astounding news of his resurrection, Peter and the disciples go back to what they know, because it's better than despairing or sitting around. They're trying to survive and Peter remains their leader as he says, I'm going fishing, and they follow. And Jesus in his kindness meets them with breakfast at a beach, at a charcoal fire. But this story is not just about an affirmation of an old call. It's about Jesus's persistent calling again in the midst of disappointment, failure, and pain. My friend Anna is going to read the passage for us. This is John 21, 15 to 25, and I'll be reading the NIV. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thanks, Anna. So in this passage, Jesus asked Peter, Simon Peter, son of John, three times, Simon, do you love me? And each time Simon Peter, or Peter is a shorthand we'll use for him, he responds, yes, I do. To which Jesus replies, feed my sheep or my lambs. So while those of us have, that have grown up in the church, we may have heard many a sermon about the interchanging of two different Greek words for love in this passage or the significance of sheep versus lambs. But currently the consensus among credible biblical scholars seems to be that those differences in words matter little. I see you nodding, Toby, thank you. So what matters is that the conversation is repeated three times. Uh, Peter's feelings are heard when Jesus asks three times because in doing so, Jesus is recalling a different familiar scene. Not only is Jesus reenacting the scene of Peter's call, he is also reenacting the scene of Peter's betrayal of Jesus. In John chapter 18, it is at a charcoal fire that Peter warms his hands the night before the crucifixion, where he denies Jesus three times. And here it is at a charcoal fire where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? These details tell Peter and us very clearly, without having to say it explicitly, that Jesus and Peter are revisiting that place of shame, failure, and disappointment. A place where Peter's sense of calling buckled under pressure and fear. How could Peter be the rock, the leader of the 12 disciples, if he was the one who had denied any relationship with Jesus? as Jesus stood false trial and was condemned to die. But Jesus is not revisiting that night to be cruel or condemning. Have you ever been by an old road, one which is so familiar, but as you're walking down that path, you realize that it's different because what you're experiencing on that road is different. And that is what Jesus is doing at the beach and at this fire. He's revisiting a place of shame and failure a place where, where Peter lost his way as he lost sight and trust of what God was doing in that terrible night. Jesus is revisiting it all in order to speak into that pain and to heal and resurrect what might have died. So this pattern is not new in scripture. In the biblical stories, God often revisits places of old pain, failure, and disappointment, places where calls were forgotten, or where fear or pride grasped, uh, guided grasping human solutions. So we're going to take some uh, a, a visit into the Old Testament. But before we do, I'm going to remind us that C.S. Lewis uh, says that God is like a good surgeon, and in his excellence in bringing healing, that excellence has nothing to do with his speed. It has everything to do with his thoroughness, his cleaning out infection and doing good medical work. When old familiar roads become places of new healing and redemption, the healing we encounter with God in those spaces often takes time and work. If we consider the story of Moses, Moses flees Egypt after trying to liberate his people, the Hebrews. But he tries to defend his enslaved people by doing it with violence, and he kills an Egyptian man. So then he flees Egypt away from his dreams and good intentions 
away from his sense of call to speak up for his people, away from his sense of leadership. The road from Egypt to Midian is one where dreams have died from Moses, where a sense of calling has failed. We may recognize this road in its own form in our lives, especially during the pandemic. We thought uh, this year of being a student, of moving to St. Andrews, of having a family, of looking for work or starting a business or retirement would look like. It has been a year of pain for so many, a year that has felt, or more, <laughs> that has felt like a flight from Egypt to Midian for whatever reasons, be it our own failure or the circumstances in which we live. It's to this Moses that left his calling behind that God says, come, I will deliver your people. And Moses is invited back on that road towards Egypt, seeking a deliverance that is not about violence, but about powerful, faithful resistance, where God is the one who liberates, even if Moses considers himself disqualified. Moses' dream of liberation for his people is one that God has not given up on. It's the same physical road, but it's a different story. Old roads, because of the very scars and wounds they hold for us, are often places of new healing and redemption. If we think about Joseph in the Genesis story, he had prophetic dreams and prayers that he would be greater than his brothers. He got some of the signals a little mixed up as he was trying to say it in a not as nice way. And his cheeky self told them so, that they would end up bowing to him. Joseph's 10 brothers by different mothers despise their arrogant half-brother. And so they tie him up, strip him of his clothes and tell their father that Joseph was eaten by a wild animal. And his father, Jacob, nearly dies of heartbreak. Joseph is thrown into a pit, sold into slavery and transported to Egypt where he starts to have influence and favor, but then he is falsely accused of sexual assault, thrown into a pit, again, and this time a jail pit. Years later, Joseph eventually becomes the second most powerful man in the foreign country he had come to call home. When he meets his brothers again, they bow before him. So his, his dream was right, just like his dream, but they don't recognize him. And he tests them. He tricks them into thinking that one of them stole Joseph's silver cup and now must pay with enslavement and imprisonment. The supposedly guilty one is the youngest, Benjamin, who is actually Joseph's brother by the same mother and father. A mother his father loved more than all his other wives and that caused some massive issues in sibling rivalry. So when his brothers ask for mercy, Joseph weeps. And one might wonder, maybe it's because he sees how much his torture of them is costing them. Maybe compassion wins over his vengeance. Or maybe a stronger hypothesis is that Joseph is seeing Judah, the older brother who suggested selling Joseph into slavery, say that he would give up his own life for Benjamin, the son of his mother's rival. Because a wiser, more sober Judah loves his father and can't bear to see his heartbreak. Perhaps Joseph weeps because he is seeing a different future than the one he thought was possible. It's not just that his brothers bow before him. It's that there is inconceivable healing in his broken family, and he is bearing witness to it. God's way in the mess of our sin, in the mess of humanity and society's self-centeredness and brokenness is often unimaginable. 
When Jesus speaks to a crowd of 5,000 men and 20,000 men, women, and children that are hungry, he takes five loaves offered by a courageous little boy. And he takes those loaves, prays over them, breaks them, and multiplies it to feed them all. Jesus's way makes no sense. No one could have imagined that method of feeding all those hungry people. As I've been writing this sermon, the lyrics of a song by C.C. Winans has been my soundtrack. The chorus goes, move the immovable, break the unbreakable. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Believing for it means having faith. And faith is not passive mental assent to fact, like saying, I believe that two plus two equals four, or that the earth is round. Biblical faith is about trust in a person with a capital P and obedience to that person because he says he's worth trusting and following. And that is what faith is, trust, obedience. And when those dreams die, when callings falter, when it gets hard to see Jesus in the darkness of unspeakable trials, we often become afraid. We reach for what we can achieve, what we can control, what we can protect ourselves with. And we choose to trust our own selves and obey our own desires. In that deliverance from Egypt, when Pharaoh's army is chasing Moses and the Israelites in hot pursuit, Moses is experiencing both his call and his past experience of failure. He cries out to God who parts the sea to have them cross and their enemies are defeated as the waves come crashing down after the Israelites safely pass. No one expected the sea to part. Resurrection was not something Peter imagined for Jesus. So he resisted it, tried to fight it. And when all seemed lost, denied that he knew Jesus and ran. And though the resurrection of Jesus from the dead has happened in John 20, it seems to be an abstract reality, something that happened out there for these fishing disciples. For Peter, he needs to encounter the living, resurrected Jesus in order to be invited to participate in resurrection hope and life. At this shoreline, Jesus reminds Peter of his original call, his original marching orders. At the fire, Jesus is bringing up Peter's deepest failure. And Jesus invites Peter after a long night of disappointment to dream again to believe for it again, to have faith again, not in the same way, but renewed and transformed. Often our failures intersect with our calls and those failures, it's those failures that often sting the most. The lockdown and pandemic might have brought unexpected roadblocks or might have ripped open old wounds and exposed problems that we could afford not to see before. It might be a business we had poured our hopes into, the dream of what you thought your last year or first year of uni would be like, friends you thought would be those friends for life, but they're nowhere to be found. Your dreams of being a certain type of family or parent or what you thought retirement would be like. It might be the death of a loved one that you thought you'd have decades with. It might be pain, suffering or confusion that existed before the pandemic and continues in different ways for you. Sisters and brothers, whatever it is, it's been a long night, 
through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't know what coming out of lockdown, what deliverance from this pandemic will look like. But what I want to say is that it won't be back to an old normal. Many will emerge from lockdown hoping to catch up on what was lost, trying to earn back the lost months and years through their strength and ability. But as believers of a risen Jesus, we hope in a God who is able to restore lost years, lost time, and give to us things we never expected. But this is not the old normal. The old normal is about what we thought we could rely on, our own strength, our previous systems. And we are invited into a new normal that requires relying on God's power without agenda and with humble hope. Peter thought he was going back to an old normal, but what he needed was resurrection hope to pierce and transform an old scarred road into a new story, a story he could not even imagine as Peter will later go on to confront the rulers and authorities he was once so afraid of. He sees jail doors unlocked by angels and speaks with authority as he is led where he would not naturally go on his own. It's a new story. The lives we go back to might be on the same road, but God is inviting us to be surprised to have the houses of our old selves dismantled as he makes a new way forward. And he writes a new resurrection story. To Peter, the friend who betrayed him, Jesus says, come. To Peter, the failed shepherd leader who lost his courage and faith where the night and all the terrors of the trial and crucifixion came, Jesus says, come again. To the Peter who had whom he called so many years ago to be a fisher of men. Jesus says, come, follow me. Resurrection hope is trusting in Jesus who makes a way where there was no way, a door where there was no door because there was and is no door out of death except for resurrection hope. Jesus calls us to have breakfast, to hope again after the long night in the valley of the shadow of death. So friends, where in this long night of the pandemic, even as lockdown lifts, have you seen old dreams die, your hopes or faith falter? And where do you need resurrection life? I'll share personally from my own journey of the past year for, for my family and me, lockdown has brought its complexities and old scarred roads. Shin and I both grew up as children of immigrants in America, which meant we grew up with a fair amount of pre prejudice and racism towards us for being East Asian. Lockdown and racial stigma towards Asians in America and in the UK because of the associations uh, with the coronavirus have brought up old fears for us. We worry about our parents in the States every day. And Shin is aware that he is a, a bigger guy. So he often, he occasionally, uh, encounters stiffening or coldness um, that's different than what it was like when he first moved here. It's made him hesitant at times to go into public spaces alone. We could believe that um, it will yet be another version of that same story of being isolated for being different as immigrants. Or we could ask Jesus for help to write a new story. Oh, sorry. No teary. Um, we have shared our fears and experiences with friends and neighbors, knowing we could be met with 
dis disbelief or apathy, which is what we often grew up with. But we have been met with the compassion of friends who grew up oceans apart from us, who have brought the kindness of loving words, company, meals, and prayers to help us and not feel alone. The day after the Atlanta shooting of um, some Asian spas in America, we said our usual hi to our Scottish neighbor through his window. But that morning, our elderly 80-year-old neighbor, who usually can't walk much, pushed his great body up out of his chair down the hallway to walk slowly with his double canes to come to the door and say hi to us, to look us in the eye and say, are you guys doing all right? I love the Scots and all the things they say and what they don't explicitly say, kind of like Jesus with Peter. This, that small walk down that hallway was a long hike for him. And we know he is very aware of the new and we have been moved by the incredible love and care he and his wife show us every day. In him looking at us in the eye and cracking his jokes with us. And furthermore, in the presence of friends who told us, we have no idea what to do, but we love you and want to walk with you. We were experiencing loving intentional care and friendship that our immigrant parents often didn't get from our neighbors growing up. It might be an old scarred road for me and Shin, but it is a new story that God is writing. What have you lost during the pandemic or during lockdown? What old fears, disappointments or failures have come up? Where is Jesus telling you the call is still there? The road might be scarred, but the story I am writing is different. Peter can't go back to his old normal. It might be the same road, but it's a different story. And this is the same for us. As believers, we are called to hope differently, not just to return to normal. We're going to meet neighbors, classmates, coworkers, and strangers who have been deeply isolated, perhaps abandoned and are hurting. And as we hope in and follow Jesus in this next season, we need to be asking him to show us how to love others to care for them and to share about the goodness of who he is with people who have been hurting, waiting and suffering. To do that, we need to not treat the resurrected reality of Jesus as something out there. We need to encounter him on the road marked with disappointment and suffering and to be invited to trust him, to follow him, not expecting that we know exactly what the next season is like, but trusting that he will be with us and that he will guide as a good shepherd. For this, he gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort and teach us. And also he gives us each other to encourage and strengthen one another. The thing about the book of John is that John and Peter are friendly rivals. They're always trying to outdo each other. And John writes this last chapter to say, yes, the one that denied Jesus three times. The one that didn't follow the original orders, Jesus reinstated him. At the shore that was Peter's original call in the context of the charcoal fire that was his place of failure. It's also to put down any gossip that John's not going to die. <laughs> but there's a lot of different um, parts of this passage. But the point is, it's not just Jesus receives Peter back. It's that John, Peter's friendly rival, he's testifying to it. And in doing so, he's also receiving Peter back as a leader. You may have been disappointed even by each other or by what fellow believers have failed to do because of fear or exhaustion. 
but God is inviting us to be his people, to invite each other to hope again, to help each other hear Jesus's resurrection call in places of disappointment and broken dreams. Let us pray. Jesus, it's been a long night for some because of coronavirus and the lockdown for others for very different reasons. But Lord, you invite us to have breakfast with you, to see your kindness in your eyes as you say, come follow me. Whatever the scars are, the fears or disappointment, Lord, we, we give those to you. And Jesus, we ask that you would renew our hope and our strength. Even as we are praying, if there is a word of encouragement and blessing and hope that you wish to say to us, would you be speaking that now? Father, help us to know that no matter how far we feel from you, you always welcome us home. And Jesus, help us to meet with you, to receive your kindness to us, to have breakfast with you. And Holy Spirit, would you pour your resurrection power in our lives and into our prayers. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.